This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. This feels like music you play while doing missionary. Oh my God. Because it's so mellow, it makes you want to go and do missionary. It picks missionary. up. It picks up that song. And then we switch <laughs> to 69. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Welcome to the sex show. I mean, right. let your voice be heard radio. Jackie turns so red. Well, yeah, I'm pretty embarrassed as well. When a man and a woman love each other, or a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, hey. or someone at Pizza Zoo. <laughs> oh, seriously. <laughs> Hello, Are we friends. doing the birds and the bees? A little bit. We are here on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Good morning and happy Sunday. I was aggressively drunk last night, and I am sober and not hungover today. And Marilyn got her first hangover yesterday. It has been a wonderful <laughs> weekend. Pizza Zoo was lit. I had 10 lactate pills just so I could enjoy it, oh and it worked. Oh, my What time Pills? La- but see, St- lactose intolerant. Every oh. person in the world, except for white people, are lactose intolerant. So right, if you want to enjoy delicious things Wait, like. Excuse- no. Yeah. As Jews, we are absolutely in La- that camp. You're not a white. We're not, well, you are a Jew. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so welcome to the show, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk oh. politics, social issues, pop culture. And we do that all from a very diverse perspective I hey. happy right sunday now. <laughs> selena made me lower you my chair yes he didn't lower it that much no he did okay donald stanley is <laughs> massive um wait wait uh, what did you just body shame me i know i mean you're tall no, this is even, that's not massive is not <laughs> tall <laughs> anyway Travis, you are tall anyway. you're a tall person compared like i'm a short person so anybody I'm like shorter than you right so like you're tall you're massive to me as a short person body shaming Anyway, it's all about perspective. So my name is Selena Hill. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Miss Selena Hill. And apparently, Stanley thinks that I should stop posting pictures of myself on Yo, Instagram. I can't keep fighting my friends because they are looking at you. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of you this. You sound ridiculous. Know, Selena's a babe. Uh, ew, ew. Come on. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's tr- I, listen, the internet knows. <laughs> <laughs> the internet knows. The internet knows. Welcome back, Jackie. <gasps> Thank Yay. you. Hi. Nice to be here, guys. This is uh, this is one of my last shows before I'm out for Before she's a married. Month. Yeah. Before she becomes a married. kept woman. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and then we put her in the Handmaid's Tale yeah, uniform. Yeah, exactly. Um, ben would be horrible in that because he'd be complaining the whole time. Like, what are you? This doesn't make any sense. This is so stupid. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's a good feminist. He'd be a bad... Uh, Gileadian. Um, and but happy to be back. You can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at Jackie Cohen. That's J A Q I C O H E N. Looking forward to today's show. Yeah. And Alyssa's here. Yeah, I'm so looking forward Is to she? all the student loans I have. <laughs> They're great. <Yo>. Every <laughs> negative thirty two percent paid. Um, but I'll tell you more about what I'm talking about with negative thirty two percent in just a little while. Uh, but anyways, in the meantime, I'm Alyssa Fuchs. I am your political and legal correspondent. I'm your legal correspondent because I went to law school and that's why I have so many loans. Yeah, exactly. Um and you can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. That's I L Y S S A F U C or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs or on Instagram Alyssa.Fuchs and of course you can leave a comment or a question on the Politically Preposterous fan page where we are also sharing the show um, and we will try and read those comments on air or on Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice We Heard Radio. Yep. What's shaking beautiful people? This is Stanley Fritz and I'm cutting Selena off because I want to go next. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Stan Fritz and you can find some awesome videos from Pizza Zoo there as well. Yeah. You can find me on Snapchat at Darkskin Swindle where 
where I snapped a picture of one of my best friends, Claude, wearing a cheetah print shirt because he looked like a 55-year-old thigh. He looks good. No, I he saw didn't. that picture. I, I didn't like I didn't, the shirt I, either. I thought he looked fine. I saw him at Penn Station and laughed so hard, several people looked. Hold on. Why <laughs> was he wearing that? Was there a purpose behind it? He chose to. <laughs> hey, look. Everyone has a right hey, to choice. Let people live. Yeah. Um, so, as Alyssa alluded to, we're actually going to spend a large chunk of the show talking about student loan debt because even though a lot of us are under a lot of debt, it's actually going to get worse. Why? Because, oh, of God. course, Trump has been elected president and he has Betsy DeVos as one uh, as the education secretary. And she actually proposed new rules that are going to make things even more disastrous, specifically for us as millennials and for people who went to predatory for profit colleges like Stanley. So we have a lot Damn. to talk about. <laughs> um, but before we get to that, um, we're going to jump into the news roundup after the break. And we're going to talk about Nia Wilson. Um, you know, she's the mm. young black girl that died and then, of course, was criminalized. Brutally murdered. She was murdered. Uh, murdered. Excuse me. Yes. On a BART platform um, in San Francisco, in yep. the Bay Area, which is awful. Absolutely awful. Um, and then speaking of awful, we have to talk about R. Kelly's I Admit song. Hey. <laughs> Must we? To? Yeah, like. Are we gonna play it? No, <laughs> no. It's Stanley's face. <laughs> and speaking of more awful, we also have to talk about Republicans plotting to gerrymander maps and get rid of the so-called quote-unquote dem trash, as they call it. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Absolutely. And yeah, so there's a lot to talk about. And of course, we want you to let your voice be heard. That means if you're watching us via Facebook Live, like Heather and like Roland, leave a comment. Let us know your thoughts. Feel free to share them with us. You can also call in at 212-650-6903 and tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. And guys, I would be remiss if I did not say on August 15th, you can join us at the Apollo Theater where <gasps> yeah. I will, apparently I'll be co-hosting. Apparently? The, no, the actually, she still can't believe it. Let me just say, Seriously. Selena's Yay. name, if you go to 125th Street and go past the Apollo, you will see Selena Hill's name front and center on the marquee of the Apollo. It is very exciting. Yeah. So congratulations, and Selena. We're so very, fancy. We're very excited for you. Thank you. And nerve wracking. you, that's fancy. <laughs> Seriously. So, guys, get your tickets August 15th to the Apollo Amateur Night. I would love to see you there. The gang will be there, except for Jackie. She'll be in San Francisco. Yeah, I'll planning be in her big wedding. Getting yo, chill. Why you, yo, you making it hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, relax. Everybody calm down. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not nervous. Yeah. It's great. Everybody <laughs> chill out. <laughs> if you if you run away, if you have been run away and elope, can we still eat the food and drink the liquor at the wedding without you? We've only talked about that for the past, you know, nine months. But, sure. um, but yes, you may. I just yes, want to make wine sure that is ordered. there's going to oh, be tacos. When's the New York wedding? I want to ruin that too. Yeah, <laughs> oh. just come along. That's in 13 days. Oh, I'm <laughs> not going. No, I'm busy that day. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> On that note, we have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about all the hot button issues of the week right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Annie. Oh, we're back, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. Oh. Hey. Hey, guys. We're back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is me, Stanley Fritz, with my seat hanging low because Selena doesn't want me to shine high. We are also here with Jackie Cohen, who is back 
on track with us and will be gone afterwards <laughs> because she's going to San Fran to run Rice Aroni. It used to be the San Francisco treat, but now it's no one's treat. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Alyssa Fuchs with the snap back painted backwards as usual, and Selena Hill, who is wearing what I can only describe as a Hillary Clinton fashion over romper in the studio. It's and it's the news roundup. What? So Hillary. if you have a news story that you want to talk about that makes you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or ask why I'm sitting so low, this is your moment, gods. Anyway, yes, thank you for that. Thanks for whatever yeah, that was. whatever that was. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Heather, who has already left us a comment on our Facebook Live. She says, can you please discuss student loan debt forgiveness or lack thereof as an incentive for voluntary military enlistment? Enlistments. I don't think I know a single person from our generation who enlisted for any other reason than to pay for school. This is literally a life or death issue. Heather, you're in luck because right after the news roundup, we are definitely going to speak about student loan forgiveness and the impact there is. Feel free to chime in about, you know, people in the military and the service, because that is definitely a different aspect of military of uh, student loan debt. And, you know, it affects so many people in this country from students to those who are on duty to millennials. It, it's a lot. Yeah, no, I, I'm um, looking forward to discussing that. I know I went to school with plenty of people who um, who came back to school after having served in the military. And the reason that they had served in the military for many of them was um, for access to higher education. So we'll definitely get into that. But I know we have a number of news, sto- news stories craziness going on this week what do we want to kick it off with yeah so uh neo wilson um as we discussed a little bit before the break she was the 18 year old young african-american woman who was brutally stabbed by a white man um she was stabbed to death her sister uh, uh, survived the attack even though she was also stabbed in her neck and we found out that the um the person who stabbed her may have actually had ties to the white supremacy, oh, yeah. right? So a white supremacy group. So they're saying that was this racially charged. So, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys have been seeing Nia Wilson's name trend on social media. You've seen the beautiful pictures of her as well. And then there was, a, like, of course, a Fox News local affiliate station decided to share a picture of her uh Posing with what appeared to be a gun. It was a phone case. I've seen yeah. those phone cases now where, like, you put your phone in there and it. Right. Don't white people post with guns all the time? Yeah. Isn't that like a thing? Hello, like a somebody. Christmas photo? Yeah, yeah, but then they're just advocating for the NRA. When white people, po- I mean, black people pose with guns, then all of a sudden they're thugs. So, like, there's definitely a double standard there. And uh, why would you use that photo of her anyway? Like, well, guys, what was your reaction to Nia Wilson's death and then I, this happening? I mean, it's. Oh, it's horrifying, right? I mean, it's completely, all these acts are, are senseless, but this was completely senseless and clearly an act motivated by racial hate, right? There were photos of um, the guy, I, I don't know his name, who um, stabbed her. Was he, he was caught. I don't care what his name is. I don't, yeah, I don't, we, we're he not was even arrested. Gonna, so yeah, he was And they didn't arrested. take him to Burger King this time. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> That's um, a change for but the they, But there were photos I know that were circulating um, of him posing in front of, I think, a Nazi flag. Like he, you know, clearly ties to white supremacist groups. Um, and it's, it's horrifying. And the fact that, and you know, this isn't, she's not the first person for this to happen to, right, where she was senselessly killed. And the first thing that the right-wing media does is look for an unflattering photo of her to sort of dispel that this was, you know, what it seemed to be. Um, Yeah. Sorry, no, I just just really want to say, and I feel really weird sitting this slow. Um, There's... 
we're always so afraid of like what the black person is going to do when you're when you're walking on the same block with them. But when are we going to start having a conversation about the fact that black women are literally in danger from white men? Because along with Nia, there was another white man who raped and murdered a black woman. This is not something that's just like kind of like popping up. There was a trans woman that was murdered in Orlando. Black women are literally under attack, yeah. and no one's doing anything about it. And black trans women are at the ho- height of that list, unfortunately. Yeah. Over 25 trans women have been killed this year already. Ugh. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I look, I, it's, it's shocking but not surprising um, is what it comes down to. We're living in a time period where racists are emboldened to do things that they, you know, always talked about in their homes, but now just feel like it's okay because— Donald Trump is the president and he says things like this. I mean, even this morning, Donald Trump was saying that illegal immigrants bring their kids here to cross the border for nefarious purposes. So like it's language and rhetoric like that, that is the dog whistle that causes stuff like this to happen. Um, And there's a direct connection between Donald Trump's uh, words and the actions that we see other racist people taking. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to Stanley's point about uh, black women being under attack, I kind of I wanted to talk about R. Kelly's I admit song because we know he has a notorious record of raping and and uh being a predator towards uh black women he is definitely someone who is a sexual predator and he admits it in like a 19 minute song where he talks about it but then he justifies and defends himself and then he actually has the audacity to call on black women within this song to stand up for black men like him like, 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 literally, he was like, black women, stop shaming black men. Like, he said something, like, it was hard. Like, the song is disgusting. It's disgusting. You listen to the song? I no, did. I just read excerpts. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I haven't listened to it. It is. It I don't want to give him the clicks. I exactly. Read, I read a lyric where he said, maybe I've done some stuff for underage children, but you know what? Opinions are opinions, and you can't put me to jail for opinions. And I was like, that's not an opinion. That's a crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is... He's been he's been abusing and assaulting women for years, and we just have looked the other way. And I know that we want to make this big effort to protect black men, and as a black man, I can tell you we, I appreciate the, the protection, but we can't protect, quote-unquote, protect black men at the expense of black women because this would have never gone this long if it was a white man doing this. Mm-hmm. It just would not. And R. Kelly deserves to be at the bottom of a prison. I'm all for restorative justice, but only when a person realizes they've done something wrong and are ready to be account to be held accountable for it. R. Kelly does not want to be held accountable. He is a monster. Hold on. You said we would have different results if a white man was yeah. doing this? Yeah. yeah. What do you mean by that? Like Look you- at Harvey Weinstein. If a white yeah, but male, that was after decades. No, I'm, I was I was talking particularly to the black community. If a white man was doing this to black women, we'd be okay. up in arms. Oh, because okay. his, like. Usually when black men are accused of doing things, we tend to be a little bit reticent to, to call them out for it because of how much attacks and just like aggressive treatment that black men are given every day, especially when it comes to potentially going into the criminal justice system. But, you know, R. Kelly is wrong. This black man does not need our protection. Yeah. No, it, it was sick. It is, it is kind of interesting, though, that in this, like, Me Too era, he still hasn't been completely canceled like so many other folks. Because no one cares about black women. Ugh. It's as simple as that. If it was a white woman, it'd be different. Yeah, I would have to. I I agree. And like even me as someone who is a black woman, I am one of those people who's like, 
a little bit more hesitant and resistant to like call out a black man for doing things that are like disgusting as opposed to a white man. And I have to like really catch myself too. Like I have to be cognizant that, okay, yes, this person is black and I understand how racism affects them, but sexism is still wrong and what they're doing is horrible. Right. I mean, look, there is obviously systemic racism within the criminal justice system and within police. And we talk about it all the time. We see examples of it all the time with unarmed black people being killed by the police um, and people being falsely arrested, the majority of whom are people of color and people being falsely accused and misidentified, the majority of whom are people of color. And yes, we should always keep that in mind when we're looking at anybody being accused of a crime and especially a black man. But I think sort of there has to be a line somewhere where where there's credible evidence that somebody did a crime and, you know, these we have to be able to say, OK, look, we understand all those issues exist within the criminal justice system, but we can still hold this person accountable for their bad acts um, when we know that those bad acts have occurred. Right. And if you want to call in with a story, we definitely want to hear from you. You should call in at, and let your voice be heard at 212-650-6903. That's 212-650-6903. And Emmanuel left a great comment on Facebook Live saying, amen, that's why no one believes in Nita Hill. Mm. Right. I think that is a really right. interesting no, That's great. That's point. a great comment. Absolutely. Um, so switching gears a little bit, speaking of other things that happened this week, which um, have to do with, uh, you know, Republicans trying to uh, pack all the African-Americans and Democrats into districts when it comes to voting in order to disenfranchise people, uh, which is just another form of systemic racism. Uh, there was newly disclosed emails that showed that Michigan Republicans were angling to give their party a dominant position um, by gerrymandering the maps. And then they celebrated uh, what was going to happen to their Democratic rivals, including an email that was disclosed in a lawsuit on Monday where they boasted about concentrating, quote unquote, Democratic garbage into four or five Southeast Michigan districts that Democrats now already control. Um, And uh, one of the emails actually likened the gerrymandered district that the Republicans had created uh, to an obscene gesture, uh, the middle finger. And one of the people wrote in the email, perfect, I love giving the finger to Sandy Levin, who is the Democratic representative. Um, and uh, so these are all emails that have come out as part of a lawsuit over gerrymandering. And Michigan is a frequently a battleground state in both statewide and national politics. Um, and so that's why it's really, really important, because right now, now it is split between nine Republican seats and five Democratic ones. And Republicans are trying to make it so that Democrats actually have even less seats than that. Yeah. Stanley? Republicans have been doing this for years. And it's one of the biggest reasons why we need to win the House and Senate, um, not only in 2018, but also in 2020, so that we have control over who cuts the district lines. And when we get control, what we should actually do is pass a bill so that cutting district lines is no longer in control of Democrats and Republicans. That is not what not, those are not the people that do it, because as long as it's partisan, the way the lines are cut will always be partisan to benefit one group or another. And right now, Democrats are our friends, but they might not always be. And if you ask me, they're not really my friend anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't want to like if unless other folks have something to say, I want to shift gears because I know that one of the stories that was really big for a couple of weeks, but it slowed down now has been the children who were being taken away from their parents. So, as you know, early this week, I think this Thursday was a deadline for the U.S. government to reunite the children with their parents. So give the Trump administration slight credit. They reunited a lot of parents with their children. 
But as we speak, over 700 children have not been reunited with their parents. Some of those parents were actually deported before they could. And there's a whole group of children who are being put into adoption agencies and other people are adopting these children because the parents were unwittingly forced to sign away custody of their children. One woman who had that situation, her child was adopted by someone else. She went to court to get her child back and the court pretty much said, you can't get your kid back because now the kid is living in a civilized life and the parents have renamed the kid and it would do too much damage to them to lose this kid. First, I kid you not. Two things. So first of all, I'm not going to give the, the Trump administration any credit. That's like giving somebody credit for putting out a fire that they, they started. started. So exactly. I'm not going to give them any credit. Um, this reminds me, this makes me think so much of when um, indigenous people, when their children in this country were taken away yeah. from them um, and given to white families uh, for adoption to give them a more quote unquote civilized life. Like this is something that was such a black mark on our history and such a horrific um horrific experience for so many um, indigenous families in this country and we're doing this again with with families that just tried to come to into the country to give their kids a better life Um, and if you think that their kids are getting a better life by being ripped away from their parents and given to other families to take care of them you are you are wrong this yeah. is horrifying. Absolutely. And and I know we have to go to break just really quickly. You know, I, I agree to that. Um, I agree to that absolutely because, like, these people, again, they're seeking asylum. They're sh- seeking refuge, refuge. And they're coming from Central America, places that the U.S. has helped fuel um, the drug war, gang violence. And, you know... As a result, they're fleeing and coming here. So we definitely need to do more to protect the people here. But, I mean, Donald Trump just tweeted this morning that he's going to shut down the government or at least is going to threaten to shut down the government if the U.S. does not fund his border wall. So it's like he cares nothing about these immigrants and these people who are simply seeking asylum. He should be worried about Michael Cohen, who now says (laughs) that Trump knew that Russia was going to collude an election and that he wanted it to happen. That's what he should be worried about. But hey, that's none of my business. Yeah, no, Trump is definitely worried about that as well. But on that note, we do have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about something we're probably all worried about, and that's student loan debt and how it's probably going to get worse under the Trump administration. Shout out to Demi Lovato, who I think is recovering from an overdose of heroin Uh, recently. She's been very open and transparent about her struggle with addiction. And apparently after six months of sobriety, she had a relapse and was hospitalized earlier. Well, last week. So I I just pray for her quick recovery and that she will find strength again. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about opioid addiction on this show so much. And it's something that, you know, uh, you guys can check out on our our archive section on our website website now that being said last week again we were a lot of us were fixated on the release of the michael cohen and trump tapes um where the trump administration uh while we were all fixated on this the trump administration was actually busy proposing rules that would make it dramatically harder for students who were screwed over by predatory for-profit colleges to receive debt relief and essentially get their money back. So the Department of Education, led by billionaire Republican donor and grizzly bear alarmist (laughs) Betsy DeVos, she released, uh, the department released its plan to weaken the so-called borrower defense rule which was enacted by the Obama administration as a way for students to seek help if they had taken if they had taken on debt to attend a college that was later shut down for fraud. Now, under Obama, 
Students were eligible only if they could show that they attended a school that was later accused of wrongdoing. But this new rule that Betsy DeVos is proposing would make it near impossible for deceived students to get relief for the debt they took on while attending shady schools. Under this new proposal, the only way students would be eligible um, is if they could actually prove with tangible evidence that the school knowingly misled them with statements or actions that directly led to them taking out loans or enrolling at school. Like, the standard now is so high that, like, what college student is going, like, is really going to be able to prove intent of a institution? You know, like, it's just, it's, it's horrible. It's bizarre. So Obama... Obama, uh, Obama's education officials, um, they actually, when they created the new rules, a lot before they created the new rules, a lot of students were going to these schools, taking out a lot of debt, and they were getting these degrees that meant nothing. Like, seriously, like, they, they were definitely, they did not reach the standard of most uh, four-year colleges and universities. If enacted, I'll just say this, Betsy DeVos' proposal would eliminate more than 85% of the relief that the Obama rule would have given to affected students. But then again, we should not be surprised about the action taken by Betsy DeVos because let us not forget, she is a vocal supporter of privatizing education. She has and she has hired a slew of for-profit industry insiders and executives to literally work in her agency. So with that being said, I actually wanted to start the conversation off with Stanley, who actually attended a for-profit college, to help explain what a for-profit college is and why they are so harmful to students. So these for-profit college, um, the one that I went to was Briarcliff College under the Corporation of Career Education Corporation. Their only goal is to bring in students, usually students from low-income communities, that they deem to like, have the highest like ability to get student loans in, but don't make it through the whole four-year process of the school and if they do it's for degrees that like the, the company doesn't, doesn't have to pay too much money for so the school gets paid on the front end from the student loan debt but then the student gets saddled with the debt i went to briarcliff college i got an associates in criminal justice and um, business management i've literally never used that degree for anything at all and i transferred um to suny old westbury but but in between transferring to SUNY Old Westbury, I accumulated about between fifteen to $25,000 mm-hmm. in student loan debt in two years because a school, which was one building um, and 500 students, um, charged $26,000 a year in tuition and gave me a $10,000 basketball, sorry, $3,000 basketball scholarship. And, and Stanley, you, we've talked about this before on the show, how you being from, at the time, a low-income community, mm-hmm. you just weren't savvy enough to make a decision that would have been more beneficial for you uh, personally. So, and, and I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of these co- colleges, uh, predatory colleges, they're targeting students just like you from low-income communities who don't know any better and then you get caught up with all of this debt. Yeah, you know, my number one goal was to get out of the hood. Like, <laughs> straight up, honestly, I was like, I got to get out, and I wanted to go to Morehouse. I couldn't afford it. I got to accept it. Couldn't afford it. And I was like, how do I get out of East New York? And they were like, you can come in. We'll give you a computer. You can dorm. Um, it'll be great. We'll give you some money to play basketball, even though I wasn't that good. Mm. So I And they told me I can go to law school with an associate in criminal justice. Which, which is true. Yeah. I wanted to go to law school, so I, I went. Wow. And and you know what? I wanted to bring this up because so with Betsy DeVos's new rules, she's actually saying that um, students like Stanley, who honestly didn't know any better, who was 
in a community, uh, ridden with drugs, gang violence, all of that, um, you guys need to make better decisions. There's language that says, and I quote, post-secondary students are adults who can be reasonably expected to make informed decisions and who must take personal accountability for the decisions they make. So, Alyssa, literally, they're saying that, hey, make better decisions. What do you say to that argument? I say that you can't make a better decision when you're de- being defrauded by somebody. I mean, this is what this is all about. When these colleges and universities that are for profit, they're not uh, giving people the information about the school and about the student loans so that they can make an informed decision. They're giving them, in a lot of cases, fraudulent information, fraudulent data, and so they're making a decision, but they're making a decision based on being deceived by the company. And that's what this is really all about from a legal perspective. So, like, number one, I find it deplorable that the Trump administration and Betsy DeVos would blame students as if it was their fault that they made a poor choice when they were the one being deceived, number one. But number two, from a legal perspective, it is already extremely difficult to be able to get those loans forgiven when you have been deceived. And to put another hurdle um, there for people to have to jump over is just ridiculous. Is Betsy DeVos supposed to be on the side of the students? Yes, she runs the Department of Ed. But instead, she's on the side of the for-profit colleges, not the students. And I would say that in in the larger issue surrounding student loan debt, you know, this is a huge financial decision for a lot of mostly 18-year-olds, right, who are, and, and not always, but for many, many people that are taking on major student loans, these are young people fresh out of high school who have never made any kind of major financial decision in their life. They probably have never even owned a credit card, right? And all of a sudden, they're taking on tens of thousands of dollars in debt, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, so more, you know, more than a mortgage payment cost, right? Um, down payment on a mortgage cost. So, you know, this is there's very little um, access for many people to information about um, making the correct decisions when it comes to taking out these kind of loans, unfortunately. And so many 18-year-olds are making decisions about their future because they think that it's the right decision to make with very little information um, at hand. And, you know, it's it's crippling them for years to come. Absolutely. Now, I know we actually have a caller on the line who would like to let her voice be heard about student loan debt and the new measures proposed by Betsy DeVos. What's her name, Stanley? Cynthia. Cynthia. Hi, guys. My name is Cynthia Pooler. And I live in Albany, New York. I am I am the executive producer of an upcoming documentary about student loan debt, and it's called All Exits Closed. And there are 44 million young people, or maybe older, who have student debt to the tune of 1.5 trillion dollars. That's a that's a number I, I have trouble. Get my head around, and what I what I'd like to do in the film is highlight how this how this uh, this whole thing started. It goes back to the '60s and '70s, and you know people think that this happened like yesterday, but it didn't. This was many years in the making. It was a deliberate attempt by the government to. Um, Silence people, and I, I, my friend Tim Bagwell, and in St. Louis is uh, the documentarian in this movie, and I want everybody who is interested who has student debt to to follow me on Twitter at All Exits Close. 
I could give them more information. And how I'd like to... to um, Thank you you so much, Cynthia, for that. Um, And I think you raise a really important point, which is that student loan debt in this country, Americans collectively have well over a trillion dollars in student loan debt. That is more than credit card debt in this country. There's greater student loan debt. Um, And to your point about, you know, this being a manufactured problem to silence people, I think that's a fair point that, you know, it doesn't matter... College and education is supposed to be this great um, equalizer in this country that, you know, if we can all get a college degree, if we can all achieve, you know, the same grades in school and, you know, we can all graduate um, from the same institutions, then the playing field is leveled. However, there are some people graduating with tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and others that aren't. And so it already puts people um, at a disadvantage the second they leave their institution. Right. I mean, look, and there's something to be said about what Jackie touched on before, and I know we may touch on again, which is the, just the cost of college. It's not that people are taking out loans because um, of the fact that they, you know, just want to take out these loans or that they, you know, yes, some people are making these financial decisions and they've, they're 18, they've never had a credit card, but people are taking out these loans because it's the only option if you want to go right. to college. People are being told, or at least our generation of of millennials um, and below us are being told that the best way to economic success is through an education. And they're being told that in order to do that, they have to go to a four-year school and get a four-year degree. And then they need to go get a higher education degree, whether it's through grad school or law school or med school. And those things are not cheap. The cost of college these days compared to what the cost of college was during the 70s when our parents went to school is like 100% profit increase okay and right now in order to go to a SUNY school a a SUNY school that is public it is still um, something like $10,000 more per semester than it used to be back during the 60s and 70s my dad used to tell me that he could go and pay for a semester and it was like $1,000 a semester that $1,000 a semester is now $10,000 a semester even at a public school so that leaves students in the position where the only option they have in order to get that higher education is to take out loans and even if you do not have any undergrad loans, because I didn't have any loans from undergrad, then if you want to go to law school, you want to go to med school, you have, have to take out an exorbitant amount of loans. Right now, I am carrying $278,000 worth of loans just from going to law school. Right. I checked my loan balance prior to coming to the show, just so I can tell you. And it told me that so far I have paid negative 36% of my loans and I've been making regular payments on the loans every year for and, nine and, years since graduation. And how long are you out of law school? I'm out of law school almost 10 years now. And and, and when we come Jesus late, uh, you know, I know I know I want to give the floor to somebody else. Um, but also oh. when it comes to public loan forgiveness, which is another thing that was proposed this week, this also has an impact there, too. Yeah. So on wow. that note, we wow. do have to take a quick break. But don't worry, we will continue the conversation about student loan debt and how it's even affecting us personally. I mean, Alyssa, yeah, that that was that was a lot to take in. And I mean, that that's unbelievable. Don't get anywhere, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Hey, hey. This is the song that Talk Jackie's going to come down the aisle to at oh, her wedding. I just saw two white people bonding and got scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just surprised that you figured out what song I'm walking down the aisle to. But good job. Guys. I can't wait to see your grandmother's face when. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> so, guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard of 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. What's going on, Facebook Live? We appreciate everyone that is listening. Heather, we see you. Thank you for the comments. Emmanuel, I appreciate you. If listening on podcasts on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, I love you. Thank you for always supporting us. We are talking about student loan debt. And I figured since Alyssa had just got deep in her student loan bag, yeah, oh my God. I would dive deep too, beloved. Woo! But damn, I don't have six-figure student loan debt yet here's my situation i'm about seventy thousand dollars in the hole mm. i only took out about forty five thousand dollars worth of student loans that's just how much interest i've accumulated mm-hmm. over the last couple of years but peep game i have federal and i have private the federal is seventy thousand the private oh i guess i do have six-figure student loan debt the private was about twenty five thousand i paid about um i paid about half of that all so far the private is actually easier to pay because you know why i defaulted because I didn't know I had two separate loans, so I defaulted back when I first graduated. And that's something really interesting, too, is that I think for a lot, I hear that story a lot that people don't know how many loans they even have. There's like seven different loans that they signed up for, but they yep. didn't know that they didn't have to pay just one loan payment a month. Yep. Um, it's a really complicated system, yep. right? And I know a lot of people luckily are able to consolidate their loans into one or two payments, but that's really hard to do. And you need to be able to work with somebody that's a professional that knows how to do that. Do that but i think it's complicated and it's you know like we said before this is a system put in place intentionally i think to keep people from from really excelling yeah so guys we did put up a post on um on my page the other day asking people to share their student loan stories we have a few so we have one from katie hawkland she goes i asked how much student loan debt do you have and how has it impacted your life she goes enough that i could have bought a house with that money yeah i can't afford this debt this is what i get for wanting to study asd and language development and for teachers for cuny for eight years and teach and teach for cuny for eight years a life of student serve a life of service sucks it's for amateurs Mm. basically i'm never going to retire retirement is a bottle of sleeping pills or a shotgun i hope i can afford the bottle of sleeping pills when the day comes i'm hoping it'll be cheaper than the shotgun option wow yep that's dark um pearl brady says i graduated with about thirty-five thousand in debt which i paid little by little for about eight years before paying it off in one lump sum when my husband and i sold our condo we are very lucky in that he bought a place at the bottom of the market in a neighborhood that rapidly gentrified brooklyn we <laughs> sold it for nearly twice what he paid for it, and there's only and it's the only way I could have paid it off. I just want to read one more so before we get back to the conversation. Yeah. Um. This is a friend of mine who she also went to Briarcliff College. Marvelous Bolden. She goes forty two thousand six hundred and thirty eight dollars and forty four cents. I graduated in two thousand eight with my bachelor's and made frequent payments until I lost my job and had my loan deferred. I completely forgot about the deferment, and when it expired, they would take my tax money and applied it only to the interest. I'm still completely screwed. It has torn my credit to shreds. No matter if I pay off everything else, this education is the biggest burden of my life. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and that's why there's such this big rallying cry for student loan forgiveness because so many Americans are going in debt and it's really inhibiting our lives. Like, we can't buy property. A lot of us are holding off and getting married because we just don't want to accumulate any more debt. Yeah. And it's horrible. Like, for our parents, it was a much different world. Uh, e- grandparents, even so, I think Alyssa touched upon that. Like, at one point, all you needed was a high school diploma to get a really good job that would support you and your family. 
Now it's like we're being pushed and ushered into the education system and we're coming out with debt and it doesn't seem like it's worth it. And it's like we're the entitled generation, right? Like right. you hear that all the time. Like we're so entitled. We feel so, you know, it, it just makes me irate to hear that because it's so difficult now to just get ahead for so many people. I mean, we're sitting at City College right now. This is the original CUNY. CUNY for years was free. It was free with intention, right? The free because it, the CUNY system believed that, you know, you should have students from every kind of background coming together, learning together. And that's really what, what levels the playing field, right? Having that access to education. And as soon as they put in that $300 tuition and things started obviously increasing more and more, and now there's, you know, tuition's several thousand dollars a semester here. Um, you put barriers in place of, um, you know, in place for people to have to climb over just to be able to achieve their dreams. And, you know, I think of how many people could buy a home with that money or, or right. have the kind of career that they want that they just can't now. I mean, just to go back to Heather Sandoval's point, which Selena read at the beginning of the show about people enlisting in the military, Heather's right. There are people that literally want to go to college. They go into the military in order to take advantage of uh, being able to get some payments towards being able to go to college because they have no other options and maybe they don't want to take out the extraordinary amount of loans and then they might end up coming home in a pine box um, instead of going to college because that was the decision they had to make. But to take that one step further and to address this issue of the entitled generation, there was an article in CNN Money back in the uh, end of May. Um, I'll send it to Stanley and we can get it embedded into the podcast link and it was called Millennials Born in 19 80s may never recover from the Great Recession. And it was basically um, that there was a study that was done and it looked at, um, it was called a lost generation. And what they found is that the typical 1980s family lost ground between 2010 and 2006. And those folks who are in their late 20s and early to mid 30s, which is pretty everybody in this room right now, were the only age group out of the other six age groups that they looked at um, that were going to suffer the most. And the reason they said that this is the case is because of high student loan debt, um, the fact that our assets have not been able to appreciate, we have not been able to build money and build um, some kind of wealth in order to buy property uh, because we have so much loan debt because we quote unquote did the right thing. Um, and they said that this kind of thing may actually impact us through our entire lives. So this is not just something that we're talking about in isolation. And we're not just complaining like, oh, poor us millennials. We're so screwed. Like this is a real situation. And it doesn't just impact millennials. It impacts everybody. Because guess what? When millennials don't have money to buy stuff, they don't buy. And when people are not buying, that means companies are not making money because we do not have disposable incomes to buy cars, to buy houses, to buy goods, to go buy the KitchenAid mixer and the KitchenAid this and the this, that and the other machine. And then you have people that go online and try and say that the reason we can't afford homes is because we eat too much avocado toast yeah. and we go to bachelorette parties. Yeah, right. So like, you know what? <laughs> Screw you guys because uh, the government's been screwing us and we got screwed by loans and we supposedly did everything right. And now here we are. Yeah. So I want to actually talk about some solutions. I know there has been a lot of debate, Stanley, about student loan forgiveness. Are you someone who advocates for all student loans to be forgiven? Why or why not? Absolutely. All student loans should be forgiven. It's actually a viable policy opposition because literally the biggest harbinger stopping millennials and other people who have gone to college in the last 30 to 35 years from buying property, from starting businesses, from being a little bit better for all financially is student loan debt. We would save money if we forgave student loan debt. 
Right, okay. Well, th- that's a solution right there. And, and Jackie, I know that you're a proponent of free college. Right. You know, I was one of the people that said, like, that's not even plausible. Like, we could never have free college. Why? We have free K-12 through education in this country. It's required. If you are a child, you're required to go to school. No, regardless of immigration status, regardless of income, you are required to go to school, right? So I don't understand why the same, it, given the fact that having a higher education degree is so critical to your employment, to your success. I don't understand why it's a requirement that's provided for to get an education K through 12, but not a college diploma. And I think that, you know, when I say free college, I don't just mean free tuition. I mean, there's so many other costs, room and board, textbooks, a million other costs that are attributed to college. I believe in free college, that the opportunity to have a quality education should be provided to every person in this country. Um, That requires more investment in our public education system and our higher education system. Um, And I really think that that's critical. And not just, you know, I think the step one is forgiving student loan debt and step two, making sure that future generations, every single student has access to free college. Jackie Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> That's oh, like, sounds like you're running for office, Jackie. <laughs> like, so and not for nothing, we can pay for it because we just gave tax cuts to rich people that they yeah. didn't need. And if the government wants to complain that we have to get rid of these student loan programs because of the fact that our deficit is increasing, well then you know what? Maybe that we shouldn't have been giving handouts to rich people so that Betsy DeVos can go buy three more yachts so that you know somebody can untie one and it can go floating down the river because apparently it's in a lake it's not even on the ocean because in a lake you know apparently she needs it you know i'm so sick and tired of hearing conservatives say we can't afford these things we can afford these things it's just where do we want to put our priorities right now the priorities is apparently to just hand out more welfare to rich people that don't need it and everybody else can just you know eat cake yeah. Well, in 30 seconds. Oh, that's funny. Uh, in 30 seconds, I just want to give the panel um, final thoughts, time to talk about what we can and should be doing to fight for legislation that will cut student debt in the Trump era. Stanley. So right now it's all about maintaining what we have. Betsy DeVos is going after that. Make sure you're calling your elected official. Tell Schumer, tell Jennifer, if you're in New York, tell those two people that they need to die on the cross for this. We're having this budget deficit coming up now. Make sure that they do not give an inch on student loan debt. Call your federal representatives because that is the only way you can get approved if Congress and Senate say so. So fight, fight, fight. And once they're gone, whoever's running for president, they need to be pushing a platform of student loan debt and free college tuition, period. I would say that there are so many people in our generation that are suffering, that are suffering, that can't get ahead, that can't afford anything because they are saddled and burdened with such enormous amounts of debt. And free college is not this absolutely radical idea. I think that we're already halfway there because we have free K through 12 education. It's something that we need to demand as a reality in this country. And I don't think we're so far off from it. I don't think it's such a radical idea. Absolutely. And, you know, on Stanley's note, we definitely need right now to be trying to save the public service loan forgiveness program. We didn't really get to talk about it too much, but one of the other proposals um, out of Betsy DeVos and the Trump administration this week, which is to scratch the public loan forgiveness program, it's basically a program that says, if you go into a public interest job and you work there for 10 years, they will forgive the rest of your loans. They are talking about getting rid of that. There are some people that are close to their 10 years that don't know if that's going to be a proposal that is prospectively only or whether nine years in they're going to 
be told, guess what, your loans are not going to be given. That program is set up to incentivize people to go into public interest jobs and not to go into the private sector. So we need to be calling Chuck Schumer and all of our elected representatives and say, one, they shouldn't get rid of it, period. But even if they are going to scratch it, it needs to be only going forward only, which honestly would be a total and complete mistake uh, because we need to save the public loan forgiveness program. But, you know, there are so many people relying on that. And that's really a big thing that we can and should be doing right now. I'll end the segment by saying this. Yes, we can all relate. Most of us can relate to having student loan debt and how much of a heavy burden it is on our lives. But the people who are being hurt the most happen to be the most disenfranchised people in our country. And that's who Betsy DeVos and the Trump administration are going after after first. That's why it was so important for us to start this segment about these new measures. And, and get this, 96% of students at for-profit colleges take out loans. of them attending two-year for-profit colleges, they take out private loans, not just federal. And as a result, 47% of all students, um, excuse me, 47% of all student loan defaults are by students who attended for-profit schools. And I say that to say that we must, we have to remember that when we fight for all public interests, the people that are being hurt the most are the ones that we need to speak up for the most. So these are new measures and proposals. They have not gone into effect. We actually have about 30 days before the Trump administration tries to actively push forward. So what you can do in that time, you can call your senator, your local officials, those who represent us, and tell them, fight back against this proposal. It does not have to go into effect. So on that note, I do want to just throw it to Alyssa to thank everyone for listening to today's show. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. Um, if you are listening on podcasts a couple days later, we really appreciate you as well. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash let your voice be heard. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. And now, really, really exciting, we are on Spotify. Um, and of course, if you love this show and you want to support this show, please make sure to donate by becoming a Patreon supporter. You can do that at patreon.com slash beheardradio. We will see you next Sunday. Have a great weekend. Nah, I pull up in Rory's and shoot.